This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot go with them. Can't do it. It's that time again, folks. I have my trusty Himalayan salt lamp beaming next to me, naturally purifying the air in which I breathe. And of course, with me on the pod today is the other FF guy, Adam. How has the week been treating you, man? Uh, I mean, it's been okay. I'm just breathing like normal air over here, though. So that's kind of lame. <laughs> yeah. Mean, my, my air could use some salt. Uh, it, it's severely lacking in its uh, air to salt ratio. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I guess I could be doing better. I, I could be breathing little bits of salt light. You're, you're, you're breathing lame, lame air, bro. Just lame. <laughs> Just lame. And I hope it doesn't show up in, the, in your podcast performance. But, uh, you know, I it's possible. So too. I don't want to let the guys down, man. I don't want to let everybody down. Yeah, and, and to be honest, man, right now I'm sitting here in this room, right? And it's, I just have all the lights off and stuff, and I have my computer screens and stuff in front of me. And I just seen, like, this big-ass mosquito, like, flying in front of my computer screen. And now, like, I don't know where it went. And so not only do I have a Himalayan salt lamp with me in this room, but I also have a Zika carrying mosquito, more than likely. So a negative I'd and a see. positive. Hopefully the lamp just naturally kills the mosquito <laughs> that's why i thought you were going with this the whole time you were like, the mosquito's now gone i that's mean cool. hopefully he just burns up in the air somewhere because now i'm gonna be thinking about this mosquito like floating on me biting my neck and stuff as i'm recording <laughs> it's all right though what can you do what can you do man this just happens right so this week has been crazy man right now especially in the nfl it's been crazy. All this, you know, head coaches signing left and right, you know, going to new teams, coordinators becoming head coaches, teams getting new locations, all kinds of stuff. So we're going to open it up with proper stop it, you know, kind of the top. I, I picked three headlines this week. Um, and I want to see, you know, where we vary on this. So the first one I have is the L.A. Chargers. Me and you joked about it earlier, you know, in text form. I said La Chargers. Sounds French, you said. <laughs> um, so so it's official, though. You know, the, the Chargers are L.A. bound. It seems like nobody's happy about it. I mean, even the Charger fans that I'm seeing seem very upset. I guess most of them are, you know, used to the San Diego thing, or many of them are in San Diego, so they're, they're not happy. For me, Rams and Chargers in L.A. just seems like it's boring and everything. I don't know. Maybe it's just... Maybe it's just the recent stuff they've been doing hasn't been very, very good. But, you know, there was a logo 
that went out earlier this morning. I don't know if you've seen it. That caused quite a stir. Oh, I, I definitely saw it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it was a pretty uh, lack of creativity in that in that logo. It kind of looked like the Dodgers logo or something. I don't know. But lo- logo aside, man, are you propping it or stop it with the Chargers moving to L.A.? Uh, so first and foremost, it's pronounced La Chargers. La Chargers, that's right. La Chargers. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we need to stop it immediately. <laughs> like, I feel really bad when teams leave. Like, I felt real bad for St. Louis. I feel really bad for San Diego. Like, ultimately, I I just I feel bad for those fans because you want to. I, like, I I don't know how I would feel. Like, especially San Diego, LA. I'm not sure what that relationship is like because uh, everyone knows that LA is amazing. Um, so people in San Diego, I mean, from what I hear those, I have been to San Diego as well. It's basically the same as far as gorgeousness goes. So like places to live, they hit home runs both. But as far as like, if they can root for an LA team, or if you're going to like turn around and burn your San Diego chargers Jersey, like, I I don't know. I'm, I'm real curious to see like what the major reaction is. Um, but from a like standpoint of just somebody who's a football fan who like doesn't really care about the San Diego Chargers, I, I just I hate that like that we have two franchises now that are in LA. Both have been pretty terrible. And from a football perspective, I just I don't like what the Chargers are doing. So maybe we can get into that too as far as this new head coaching decision. It's just ah man. I feel like both the Rams and the Chargers are going to LA to die. Yeah, it it is a weird thing, right? When you, when your team you know relocates, obviously I'm a Raider fan. My team may be re- relocating soon too, so I'm gonna have to go through this whole thing. And you got you know people who feel the need to either change teams or, or that it's odd to kind of keep your loyalty to a team just because they change states and cities and whatnot. Um, you know, you mentioned it's a lot of changes going on for them. Just not not mentioning just even the move itself. And, you know, it, it, you know, every, every people don't really adjust well to change right off the bat. So that's obviously just going to, you know, initially be a, a, you know, an impactful thing for people right away to get used to. Um, I mean, first of all, L.A. has just got too many sports teams in general, right? Now they got two <laughs> NFL teams, two NBA teams, two baseball teams or one baseball team, two hockey teams, I believe. It's like, geez, man, like how many teams do they need in L.A.? You know, can San Diego get, keep their team at least? You know, it's like so, so much stuff happening in L.A. But I don't know, man. You, you mentioned them burning jerseys and stuff. I seen uh, Sean Merriman. I think I seen a tweet or something earlier saying, like, you know, uh, you know, if you burn my Sean Merriman Charger jersey, I'll hunt you down. I'm not LeBron. And I was like, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But it's like, yeah, man. And, and, and like you said, man, I, you know, I, I'm going to go with you on this. Stop it. Don't move to L.A. Keep it in San Diego, which it seems like it may be too far gone at this point. It seems like it's a done deal. But you, you did mention the head coach thing. You, you, you don't like it or you like it? Oh, God, I hate it. Oh, did, did you hear who they hired? Yes, yes. So, all right. So, for those who are, are getting their information firsthand from us, they just hired Anthony First Lynn, of all, God bless was, you if you are, but anyway. Yeah, exactly. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It means the world to us. I appreciate you. Uh, nonetheless, so the, the Chargers, after deciding to make this ridiculous move to L.A., which, side note, only thing – only thing they could do to redeem themselves is just make their jerseys powdered blue forever. 
They won't, but you know that would, that, that would redeem it for me. Um, come on, a team from LA just wearing powdered blue all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, so the Chargers went out and they hired Bills former interim head coach for Week 17 and their offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn, who. You know, if if we're looking around the league as far as, you know, top tier offensive coordinators, I mean, what team would you rather look to than the Buffalo Bills offense? I mean, amazing, right? It It's it's sad. Uh, it, it really is. I, I really do, I'm not a fan of the hire at all. Um, that being said, I think if you're just going to look at it from a, you know, how does it impact fantasy? How does it impact their team dynamics moving forward? I think it is a really interesting move for Melvin Gordon's future because um, we saw what type of rush first offense, you know, existed over the course of time with the Bills having Greg Roman and then it getting switched over to Anthony Lynn and, you know, being Rex Ryan's offense. I don't know enough about Anthony Lynn to understand if, you know, he's always been kind of a run first guy. But ultimately, you know, as far as from a fantasy perspective goes, I, I'm excited to see how it kind of impacts the, the Melvin Gordon situation, especially with Danny Woodhead coming back. But from a football perspective, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be happy if I was uh, Sandy. Oh, wait, L.A. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of charges. Well, we'll, 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 we'll see. <laughs> you do that better than me, man. We'll, <laughs> we'll see how, you know, Anthony Lynn works out for them. It's hard, you know, to judge those those coaching moves throughout the gate when nothing really is settled yet. But it's funny you, you brought it up because it brings me to the next prop it, stop it, which is the Rams hired Sean McVay. He's the new head coach of the Rams. He's a former Redskins offensive coordinator. He's now the youngest head coach in NFL history. The Rams hired him without ever sitting down with a guy we talked about last week, which is the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, Kyle Shanahan, which really surprised me. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. Prop it or stop it, the idea of hiring McVay without ever exploring options like Shanahan. Okay, so I'm going to prop it, if only because I'm really excited that there's a head coach who's like my age. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's really amazing. Um, I think what this move is from LA's standpoint is they wanted to hire a coach that they think they can put in place to build with the franchise. So he's a really young coach. Hopefully with youth comes innovation. We shall see. I didn't really get that perspective from him as the offensive coordinator for the Redskins, that he was like a super innovative guy. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to the Rams offense that has much different weapons. And, and most importantly, how he uses Todd Gurley moving forward, because that's kind of the biggest asset that they have there. Um, but I think from like a coaching hire it really just shows where the LA Rams franchise is at. And they, I think they realize that, you know, they're in a big rebuilding stage and you can try and rebuild like the Cleveland Browns where you hire a new coach every single year and you're always in last place, or you can put someone in place who you think that you're going to try and build around and build with and give them a few years to see what type of coach he is. And, I don't know. I mean, we could be surprised. You know, there's obviously a reason he's getting hired this young. So he could be the guy for them 
you know, five, six years down the road. Uh, I think it's just really going to tell, but I, I hope it's a long-term decision for them because I think stability would help there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Again, like I said, with, with Lynn, it's the same situation. It's hard to gauge it this early, but he does have family roots, you know, in the NFL, so it's kind of he has a history there as far as that goes. But, man, I'm, I'm going to say stop it, dude, because where is Kyle Shanahan going to go now? All the, all the jobs are drying up. I, I really wanted to see him have a shot. I feel like, you know, the biggest thing here is Gurley, you know, Gurley and golf and, and how this whole thing, you know, gets moving for fantasy, at least for fantasy. That's all we care about. Um, and I would have loved to see Shanahan do something there with that. You know, obviously now I got to hope that McVay, you know, is that good. You know, the Rams believe he is. Obviously, they didn't even, you know, allow other people to really sit down with them in that in that regard. So I just got to we just got to go with the flow, you know, at this point. Right. I mean, we don't know. I don't think have they hired everybody else around him yet? I know. I think I seen somewhere that they did get Wade Phillips for defensive coordinator. But I don't don't know if they hired offensive coordinator yet with him. So, yeah, I didn't see that just yet. Um, Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like I said, I I hope it's a long term decision for them. And I hope that he's the type of you know, guy who's willing to learn from the coaches he has around him and ultimately, you know, look to build a coaching staff there. Because really, I mean, that's, you know, if there's any sort of positive that you can take away from it is to me, from the outside looking in, it looks like a choice to rebuild. And when you're a brand new franchise in a brand new city that is perennially terrible, you have this great opportunity to really rebuild, and and I'm hoping that's what they're doing. Yeah, because people's expectations are kind of low for you at the moment, unfortunately. Exactly. So you got a head coach. He looks like he's Jared Goff, basically. So you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, the direction they go in. The last one I want to throw at you, man. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but um, you know, uh, the uh, USA Today Sports, I believe, spoke to uh, Bo Jackson, right? in an interview and he said that if he knew what he knew now back then that he never would have played football um you know due to the brain injuries and the harm you put your body through obviously he you know hurt his hip and everything in football he also said though and this is the kind of the the part that i want to ask you about is he said that in regards to his own children and i quote even though i love the sport i'd smack them in the mouth if they said they wanted to play football so prop it stop it to children playing football yeah man this is i mean this is ultimately like the hardest topic in the world because um i mean bo jackson man bo knows everything man well if bo knows says no no to football for children i mean come on and he's not the first i mean kurt warner came out years ago saying that he didn't want his children playing football and i think that there's i mean there's a lot of lot of credibility behind that i mean you got to realize that these guys are speaking both from experience of what they've experienced but also from what they've seen and guys that they loved and cared about and got to know and created friendships with that you know they they saw the struggles both in themselves and in their you know community and i think it is i mean it's really a really hard thing because i i love football I love being a football fan. Uh, I love fantasy football. I love being able to talk on a podcast about football and express myself through this medium. That's something I'm passionate about. So it is really sad when you have to kind of check yourself and realize that the way that football is currently played is not sustainable. Um, 
and I don't think I know, and I don't think the NFL knows how to change it to make it sustainable. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's a really, it's a really sad thing. Uh, Cause ultimately I think a lot of kids are getting the message now that if they want to be an athlete, they should probably think of other things besides football to do because the impact that you can take, even just from playing high school football can be life changing. And it might not be worth the risk when there's such a small percentage of people who actually get paid to do so. I mean, that's, you know, that brings up a whole nother conversation about our college athletes not being paid anything. Um, but you know, ultimately there's such a few, there's such a small percentage of football players that ever end up making a living playing football that the risk of all of those people has to be taken into consideration and that's a huge huge risk and and it's yeah it's one that's going to be really really hard to kind of reconcile yeah it's crazy and i i was just thinking like imagine if you're like his son or you know say bo jackson i don't know if what what his kids are girls boys both imagine everyone's like oh man your dad was a stud football you're gonna play football and stuff right you're like uh you know my dad doesn't want me to (laughs) you know what i mean like it's crazy that you know, all these guys are coming out saying, you know, they wouldn't let their kids play it. And, you know, as a parent, obviously, it's something that, you know, weighs on you as well. You know, you want your kids to have fun. You want them to experience things. And then you're like, heck, you know, I also don't want to ruin their future. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mentally, uh, you don't know what it does to them. So I, we've talked about it well, before. But what was that? No, I, I mean, I was just going to say, well, first and foremost, the whole like Bo smacking his kid on the head sort of thing or like, you know. Just sit down and tell him the truth, Bo. It's, oh, I love you the way you are, and I don't want you to get hit in the head so much that you <laughs> fundamentally change as a person. Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when we use these, like, hard man-isms to, you know, express the fact that, oh, this is a person you love, and you don't want them to change because you're afraid of what might happen to them if, if they're exposed to these sort of conditions that you were exposed to. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, so then for, for children playing football, you know, obviously it's going to be a perspective thing. It's going to be a parental decision. So, I mean, in, in your personal case, prop it, stop it. If you were to have that decision arise in the future for you. So I don't think that it is. So, and this is, this is a non-parent talking about parents. Right. That's why I want to hear your perspective. It's always exactly. interesting to hear so yours. Non, non-parent talking about parenting. If slash when I become a parent someday, I want to be the type of parent that allows my children to make the decisions that they want based on all the information that they can gather. And part of that information should come from me. And I want to do my best to make it more based on facts than opinion but also let them know what like matters to me. So in a particular situation like this, I I would encourage you know, my fictional child to Let's get, give to, your give your fictional st- child a name here. Um hmm. It's just, you know, just uh, I'm going to go with Bo. Bo. Um, okay. So, Keep it simple. <laughs> All right. You know, you know Bo Jackson. Bo. <laughs> uh, no. So little Bo. <laughs> Little little Bo Peep. <laughs> so, so, so little Bo Peep, I would encourage to pursue little Bo Peep's passions 
but to be accepting of the realization that there are consequences to anything that you're going to put yourself into. There are risks. Right. To know those risks. And I think it would be helpful if, you know, kids, when they're getting involved in, I mean, kids start playing football as early as, like, grade school sometimes. Yeah, like five years old, six years old, it's flag football and stuff, and then it goes from right there. But, but basically, you're saying, in your opinion, you'll, you'll educate them on the situation, kind of give your opinion, but then let them make the ultimate decision, basically. Well, yeah, but, but also, also with that, make sure they have all the information. Because, like, the problem is, is that children glorify, you know, athletes, like, so much. I, I think we all have as children. And I think the biggest thing to realize is that, you know, there are those amazing heroic stories that exist in sports, which is part of the reason that we love sports. But there's also a larger population that are impacted in these negative ways, and their story doesn't really get told. And I think that's the interesting thing now is we're kind of having this conversation with the Internet that I don't know about you, but when I was a kid in the 90s, I never heard that conversation, really. That no. wasn't a conversation that existed. No. We never talked about it. So the the risk wasn't really a known factor, whereas now I think that – you know, children are probably smarter than ever because they have access to more information than ever. And part of that is going to come, you know, having from a parental perspective, just being able to understand that my child has the information and I have to let them make the decision they want to make. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely agree with that. I think that's the best way to do it. I do that, you know, with my kids now. You know, my son wanted to do wrestling. I explained all it's going to go through, you know, everything that could possibly happen, what it could lead to, all those kind of things, you know, the the potential injuries, the, you know, all all the different things. And then he decided to still do it. So, you know, if anything happens, we'll just kind of cross that road, you know, when we get there. But um, I think that's the best way to do it. Like you said, educate them on it, you know, give them your opinion, but, you know, educate them on all the different outcomes that could possibly come from this and then go from there. You know, but ultimately, like you said, let them make the decision because it is their life and, uh, you know, let them live and learn. Right. For sure. So, that's it for Prop It. Stop it. The next thing we're going to talk about is the NFL playoff games this week. We're out of the wild card. We we did that last week. We're into the, the we got some big games this week. Big games. There's no there's no real games this week that are like, eh, you know, like, I don't know, you know, nothing. Everything is pretty exciting for the most part. It has some big games here. So, we'll start with Houston versus New England. Um, you know, for me, I'm just going to come out straight up to say it. I don't think it's much of a, you know, uh, a thing here. I, I, I'm going to take New England. It's, to me, it's not really that close. <laughs> it's not that close. It's just not big. It's not that big of a conversation. I know the Texans looked good last week, uh, but that was against the Raiders. You know, the Raiders without Derek Carr, without their left tackle, all, all, all the odds against them, basically. And so it doesn't mean much to me. Um, the, de- the defense did look good. Osweiler and stuff looked like he hasn't looked all season, but still, you know, give me the Patriots. They're on a whole nother level. That D isn't good enough to really stop Brady. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like New England, no, no, duh. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they have the, I, I think it's the, uh, the third largest Vegas advantage in a playoff game in NFL history. It, I mean, that they're, they're giving Houston 15 points. That, that's what the line is on it right now. So like, 
That, to me, is a much more interesting pick. Like, can Houston stay within 15 points of New England while they're just getting trounced? And, I mean, honestly, that, to me, is is kind of a really interesting question. Because I don't, I don't know how Houston would do that. Like, I don't, there's no way that I see it. I mean, they played earlier this year when New England was without Brady. And they were starting Jacoby Brissett. And they won twenty-seven to nothing. So like, <laughs> it, it just it seems so unlikely that this game's just not going to be an insane blowout. So I mean, there's not even not even a ton to say about it, except for you know, it's it's interesting to maybe see what New England rolls out and and exactly how they you know how they look to dismantle Houston. Yeah, got a strong feeling that Texans team is not going to look how they looked last week. <laughs> No, I don't even think Texans fans think that they can no. win. Like, I don't know if Texans players do. <laughs> like, no, yeah. It's just, it's that harsh. That's why, that's why you know, I didn't take the loss so hard as a Raider fan without Carr. Because I was like, you know, if you go to the next round, you play the Patriots. Without Carr, I know that's basically helpless. So, I wasn't yeah. that upset about it. So, the Texans, just kind of the luck of the draw. This is where it ends for you guys, in my opinion. And I don't think anybody disagrees, except maybe some, some crazy Texan fans. Um, the, <laughs> the next game is Pittsburgh versus KC. Now, I'll let you start this one first. So, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh versus KC is it's an interesting game. Um, Pittsburgh looked super, super on fire last week against Miami. I mean, they, they were just all systems running. I mean, the big three there between, you know, Ben, Brown, and Bell are just – phenomenal at what they do it's the first time in the playoffs that they've ever all been healthy at the same time or all been able to start at the same time so you know they really are this high power offense that i think most people in fantasy and most just nfl fans get excited to watch the the only issue is that they're playing away which their home road splits i mean mostly for ben roethlisberger over the course of the season have just kind of become this thing that everyone knows. You know, Ben's great at home, terrible on the road. It's kind of what Drew Brees became for, you know, a few years there, where everybody just thought that if he's home, he's great, and if he's on the road, he's going to be garbage. So, you know, they have that to deal with. Uh, Kansas City is one of those, you know, fields that – you know, at Arrowhead Stadium, they get the noise level up. They, I mean, they really have that sort of feel of almost, you know, the twelfth man sort of style that Seattle does. So they have that in their favor. And then one thing that I've brought up on the podcast before, but that I think is really important to talk about, is Andy Reid's record when having a bye, uh, or not necessarily a bye, but you know, a bye week, an extra week before, to prepare. Yeah, exactly. And extra week to prepare is a great way to put it because that's what makes all the difference. I mean, he's 21 and two over the course of that time, including this year. And I just think that that's really what's going to give him the edge. I highly doubt that Kansas city was preparing for Miami at all. So they've had two weeks to prepare. They're playing Pittsburgh, making Pittsburgh play on the road. And I just think that Kansas city can do enough to, you know, keep the game relatively low scoring and they've got, you know, enough playmakers on offense to, to just edge it out. I mean, I think that the line is really perfect. I think the biggest line for it is only a point, point and a half, I think, in Kansas City's favor. And I think that that's really what we can expect to see. A really close game, 
pretty low scoring, uh, but I think Kansas City edges them out. Yeah, I, I don't want to see Kansas City edge them out, obviously, because I'm a bitter Raider fan. I don't want to see anyone in the AFC West, West win anything, unless it's the Raiders. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned, I think Pittsburgh obviously has more firepower on offense. But when it's all said and done, I think the KC defense is what's going to be the deciding factor in this game, whether they can obviously, you know, limit that Pittsburgh offense, you know, whether they show up is kind of really going to be the thing that decides the game, I feel like, because it's just, I, I feel like that's the biggest, you know, the biggest factor in all this, whether the different offenses, the defenses on both sides, I think that KC defense is the biggest factor because they got playmakers on that defense who we've seen. You know, like guys like Eric Berry and stuff make plays all year, scoring touchdowns. So I think that's going to be the deciding factor. If I had to choose a side, I would go Pittsburgh just because of the guys you mentioned. You know, Brown, Bell. I, I feel like, you know, when I stack them up against guys, it's just hard to beat them. But Casey has been surprising, you know, throughout the entire season. They've been very consistent. So it wouldn't surprise me if they won. But we'll see. I'm rooting for Pittsburgh, though. The next game, Seattle, Atlanta. Now, this is interesting. Oh, this is so interesting. This is an interesting one. I mean, obviously, like, you know, I, I said to you last week, Seattle's been here. You know, they've experienced all this. They know what they're doing. Atlanta, you know, they've been kind of waiting for this moment. You know, I feel like th- this is like they, they're they're super hot this year. I don't care. I mean, have they been this hot ever recently with Matt Ryan and everything? Can you think of any time they've been hotter no, than they are no, right now? This no, is, no, this I mean. The, actually, there's an interesting statistic, which is I th- I believe it's that they either tied or were one away from uh, the same amount of touchdowns scored by um, the 1990 St. Louis Rams. Wow! So like that crazy, insane Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk team, uh, Torrey Holt, all those amazing Isaac Bruce, all those amazing players, like they are on par with that offense. Now, granted, we're in a different time in the NFL yeah. where it's so much more pass-happy. There's so much more scoring. Um, but that being said, I mean, it's an amazing, amazing achievement. Their offense has just been running on all cylinders. And, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's it's the big, you know, kind of matchup in people's eyes between the huge offense and the huge defense. But, I think personally, the only problem with that is I don't think Seattle is a huge defense. Yeah, I, I mean, well, any, anytime you're compared in any facet to the the greatest show on turf, which was that yeah, right. that you're talking about, that's that's pretty impressive. And I don't know what the Vegas odds say on this. I don't know who's the actual underdog or whatever, but I just feel like ATL is probably not favored just because of Seattle's, you know, recent, you know, recently recently being in the playoffs and how far they've gone. And like you said, the defense is so. You know, they get all the accolades. You know, they get all the attention. You know, Seattle's just one of that, that popular team, I feel like, that's just always being talked about and always in the media. And I don't know. I just feel like they're the team that most people would be rooting for. If you're just, just a random casual fan, you'll say, oh, you know, Seattle will win this. But I don't know, man. I'm rooting for Atlanta. You know, I, I want to see them do well. I want to see them go all the way. So I'm going to I'm gonna take Atlanta just out of, like, that's who I want to win. I don't, I don't know. Is that is that who you want to win, too? I mean, do you think they're going to be able to pull this one out? Um, well, so a few things. One, uh, Atlanta actually is favored by oh, five. Oh, wow. So, okay. you know, they, they actually, you know, they have a pretty they have a pretty good favoring. I mean, most of the time the way that, you know, it, it's said to be looked at is if it's on a neutral field, um, it's basically minus three from the home team. So this is basically saying, like, on a neutral field, Atlanta would win by two. They get a little home advantage, so they're going to win by five. Um, ultimately what I think this game comes down to is just, I don't know if Seattle can stop Atlanta. They didn't earlier in the year. 
And Julio just kind of had his way with Richard Sherman. And I think that, uh, you know, Sherman complained in that game about not being on Julio enough. But even when he was on him, he wasn't really stopping him. So I, I, I really see this game being a game that Atlanta wins. Uh, I have been going super chalky so far. I mean, all last week I picked the four games correctly and they were all chalk, uh, being that, you know, the higher seed one. And I think we're running into a very similar situation this week with the games. I mean, do you, do you see this being a high scoring Kansas game? City and now Atlanta. I, I definitely do. I think Seattle's offense has the ability to keep up with Atlanta for sure. Um, but I, I just think that Atlanta pulls away. I, I really do. I think that uh, it's going to be a really different game for Seattle than what they were able to do last week against Detroit. Um, you know, Atlanta's defense is pretty terrible, so I think that Seattle will probably come out trying to run the ball. Um, I just don't know how long that's going to last because I think Atlanta is going to be able to score on Seattle, and uh, if it becomes a shootout, it's a shootout that Atlanta is going to win. The yeah. only way Seattle wins this game is if they can really just run the ball very efficiently again and are able to get some turnovers. Yeah, I see no reason why Seattle can't stay in the game offensively, like you said, the whole game. But it just feels like, man, Matty Ice, man, I want to see him do it. I want to see him, you know, I feel good about him. This team is enrolling. Like you said, Julio, it's one, he's one of those guys, man. Like, you know, you, you give all the respect to the secondary and whoever's guarding him, but it's just he's Julio. So it's hard to, you know, to doubt him. And so I, I, I'm a fan of Atlanta this week, man. And I guess I'm with Vegas on this one. <laughs> the last one. It may be the toughest one. I don't know. Depends on what you think. But it's Green Bay versus Dallas. And like before, I'm going to let you start on this one, man. Yeah, man. Uh, this definitely is the hardest one of the week. I, I mean, this, even though, the, I mean, the Vegas line isn't the hardest as far as like Kansas City, Pittsburgh only being a, a point and a half edge for Kansas City. Uh, Dallas is favored by four and a half in this game. So, you know, they definitely are perceived to be the better team. And really, I think this more comes down to, is this where the Aaron Rodgers story ends? Because these last seven games have just been, you know, MVP level football. So can Aaron Rodgers now overcome the best team in the NFC en route to the Super Bowl? Uh, And I I just, I I really, I really have a hard time doubting him. Uh, I think that this is going to be a really interesting game, especially from a fantasy perspective, because I think that, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to score on Dallas. And I think that that's going to cause a shootout. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Dak can do, because Green Bay's pass defense is, is horrible. They've got so many injuries. And Dak has shown the ability to not be overwhelmed by pressure, not to kind of, I mean, coming in as a rookie and starting, he's you know, definitely always shown himself to not get a big head and not to, you know, be overwhelmed by the pressure of the moment. So I don't think it's going to matter that it's a playoff game. Um, I think Dak's really interesting, especially if you uh, if you're playing any, you know, DFS this weekend or, or any sort of playoff contest. He, he's a really interesting play because not a lot of people, I think, are going to be on him. And I think that uh, he's going to have an opportunity to try and, you know, keep up with Aaron Rodgers. Ultimately though, I, I don't I don't think Dallas is gonna be able to do it. Um I wow. think the only way Dallas wins this game is if they're able to really 
um, just ground and pound, and Zeke gets 30 carries, and they're able to play this really ball-control-style offense. And I just I feel like Green Bay's defense has gotten progressively better towards the end of this year. They're not the sort of weak rush defense that they were at the beginning of the year. And uh, I don't know. I, I really I, I like the Aaron Rodgers story to continue. Sounds like you're leaning Green Bay. I mean, this, yeah. this is definitely the game that will likely have the most eyes on it. Um, it's time to see, you know, if the Cowboys and Prescott can handle, you know, the big lights of big boy playoff football. I'm, I'm actually going to lean Cowboys, so we're going to disagree on this one. I'm riding Elliott and Dez into the playoff, you know, through this game, man. I, I do agree Aaron Rodgers, man, has been on fire. He's been killing it. And, he, and you know, Green Bay never disappoints in the playoffs. <laughs> so it's hard to, you know, it's hard to go against those guys. And like you said, the offense is just clicking and, you know, guys are stepping up, making plays. The defense isn't horrible. So it's going to be a fun game. This is, to me, to me, the Seattle, Atlanta, and Green Bay, Dallas are going to be the two best games of the week. I don't know which one will be better, but they're both going to be super fun, man. They're going to be, if you, if, if you could only watch one of those two games, which one would it be? Ooh, ooh. I, I mean, it, it would probably be Green Bay, Dallas. I think that's the one that's going to have the most eyes on it, but I think that Atlanta, uh, Seattle is going to be the more fun game, actually. Yeah. But really, I think if anything, this just really polarizes the two conferences and makes us all realize that the NFC is so much more fun than the AFC. The AFC is basically just like, who gets to play the Patriots before they make the Super Bowl? <laughs> that's so <laughs> the bad. NFC, like, I, I don't know about you, but I really, like, I, I legitimately could see any of the four teams in the NFC playing against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I really cannot tell myself a story where, I mean, I guess I can tell myself a story where Pittsburgh, like, somehow just continues to play with this amazing three-man offense between Ben, Bell, and Brown, and they just, like, ride off into the sunset together. I guess I can tell myself that story, but like it seems like a fable. But man, so. e- 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 even even if you just look at the quarterbacks of each of these, you know, of each of these divisions, like you look at the yeah. AFC, you're talking about Brady, but then you're talking about Osweiler, Alex Smith, and then like you said, kind of inconsistent Ben Roethlisberger. And you look at the NFC, and you got Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. Like if for nothing less, exciting, talented quarterbacks you know and then the afc you're just kind of like you know brady and everybody else almost it feels like so yeah i mean it does sum up kind of the divisions this year you know the different conferences and everything kind of does you know make that i don't know just definitely an exciting factor difference (laughs) between the two and the (laughs) the games that you get to you know experience but yeah man that green bay dallas game is going to be a lot of fun don't sleep on alex smith though alex smith has had like a 90-something passer rating in the playoffs. So, you know, Listen. he also had that extremely exciting shootout with uh, Andrew Luck in the playoffs uh, a few years back. Do you remember that game? Where, I like, don't. There's nothing extremely points. exciting about Alex Smith. But that is not true. That game was amazing. <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite football games I've ever watched. There's nothing extremely exciting about Alex Smith, man. That game was extremely exciting. Okay. You just weren't watching. Okay, man. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't. I'll give it to you. People need to attack you on Twitter over this. <laughs> there are other people out there who remember that game. I wish I could remember what If year for nothing else, I'll say the game was exciting, but Alex Smith was not. It had to be oh, something uh, else besides him. Uh, He's just he, a blah. I know, uh, I know. Chiefs fans hate, probably hate me right now because they love their Alex Smith and he does the job, but... <laughs> whatever man i mean he's cool you know he's he's a guy he's good he's not, he's not terrible or nothing but 
I'm just like, if you had to rely on him, I feel like, I mean, I, I guess he's done good, right? I mean, he's done, he's done the job well, so I can't knock him too hard, but maybe it's just my Raider bias. I don't know. Speaking of the games, though, you did mention DFS, which, besides the fantasy playoff challenges that we talked about last week, DFS is obviously still a playable option as well, which a lot of people are doing to get their last, you know, their last, their last, you know, scratch of the itch here before the NFL is gone to, to the offseason, of course. Let's talk about DFS a little bit, man. Um, we, me and you kind of mentioned, you know, off air, some interesting things that we can highlight and talk about. Where do you want to start with this, though? Yeah, so, I mean, as far as just, you know, why we're talking about DFS, it's just an interesting time of the year where most people are doing some sort of playoff challenge or really your only other access to fantasy is some form of daily fantasy sports. So if you're still playing fantasy football and you're doing a playoff challenge, you may or may not be setting a weekly lineup. There's a lot of, you know, challenges that you can do where you just set a lineup at the beginning and then you don't do anything else and you know if you're bored then you might want to turn to dfs daily fantasy sports and you know utilize that utilize some you know awesome one-on-one competitions on no halftime maybe i don't know you know i'm just i'm just throwing it out there yeah there's all, but ultimately, there's all kinds of ideas and the, and the cool thing yeah. is with dfs at this point in the season is the options dwindle down you know what i mean so it's like strategies change your options change everything kind of changes a little bit you, you can't keep the same you know the same rhythm going so it's, it's a little different variables yeah most definitely small slates you know they can be really fun you know there's only four games it it gives you a rooting interest in all the games if you have some fantasy you know implications out there so ultimately you know i like playing daily fantasy sports just from a fun perspective to me it encourages me to watch all the games which i was probably going to do anyway but now I have a little extra rooting interest, and that to me is just what makes it that much more exciting. So, yeah, I mean, as far as talking about it, I mean, we wanted to go through, like, a few questions and stuff. But ultimately, that's why we're, we're having this conversation now. You know, we don't often focus on DFS, but this is a great time of year for it because I feel like there's probably a lot of people this week who want to still be playing fantasy that might not have any other things that they're doing and that might just want to, you know, exercise those fantasy muscles and daily fantasy sports is a great way to be able to do that. Right. Definitely. So when it, I get, you know, when it comes to DFS, obviously, you know, anybody that plays DFS knows there's certain guys who just, you know, are locks basically who you feel extremely good about, you know, whether, you know, you're in a salary cap type thing and, 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 and you feel good about the value of them and, you know, you know, like you said, right now we're condensed. There's not a lot of, you know, guys to choose from. So you just kind of, you know, go from the guys that are available at this point that you can actually play. And guys like Zeke, Julio, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, you know, Tom Brady. These are all guys that you feel good about, like regardless, basically, for the most part. No matter who they're playing, no matter what the situation is, you feel good. When we talk about locks, though, are there certain guys in that, you know, in that realm, in that in that category that you would avoid this weekend, whether it's because of matchups or anything specifically? I mean, of the ones you listed, you know, for me, it's always about, can you tell a story? So can I tell a story where Le'Veon Bell has a bad game against Kansas city? For me, that's, that's a really difficult story to tell because Le'Veon Bell has been phenomenal over the course of like the the last 10 games or so and I mean really over the course of his entire career but the reason that that's so difficult for me 
is he always sets a high floor for himself with his pass catching ability. You know, he's going to have three, four, five, six, sometimes seven, eight, nine catches a game. So even if the game skews so it's not a huge run heavy game for him, then he picks up all these receptions, which are great in any sort of DFS structure that is point per reception, which a lot of them are either half point or full point per reception. So ultimately, with, with a guy like Bell, I, I just don't see the downside. There's not really a game script that exists that's going to cause him to struggle. Um, so then, you know, you look at someone like Ezekiel Elliott, though, for instance, and Zeke isn't a huge, you know, part of the passing game there. So if Green Bay can find a way, and I, I feel like they want to because, you know, Zeke had a really big game. I mean, as far as yardage goes against Green Bay, the first time that they met, he ran for 157, 28 carries. Like, they really focused on utilizing him. So I feel like Green Bay is going to be looking to stop Ezekiel Elliott and make Dak beat them. And I think that that game script does skew against Ezekiel Elliott because he's not really a big fixture in the passing game. He's not going to get you those, you know, three to eight catches for, you know, 30 to 70 yards that are going to make that huge difference in a PPR league to kind of steady out any low-end production. So Zeke might be one of those guys who, even though he has a huge ceiling. I mean, I would not be shocked at all if he was able to put up 100 yards and a touchdown or even 100 yards and, and two touchdowns against Green Bay. But there are those game scripts that exist where if this game becomes a shootout, it kind of takes him out of it. And for me, that's enough to kind of be looking to, if I'm setting a lot of lineups, maybe you know not put Zeke in as many as someone like Bell. Or if I'm playing just a handful of lineups or if I'm trying to make a weekly decision for, you know, a playoff structure tournament for fantasy, I might look to fade Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. You know, like I said, I, I, man, it's hard to go against Ezekiel Elliott, right? But, you know, if we're, if we're looking at guys who are locks, that's someone who you see, you know, has that potential to not perform. One of the things I think is interesting, a player that could also fall into this category, and it's ridiculous to even say it, but what about Antonio Brown, man? My my thing is, last time the Steelers and Chiefs played, they didn't put Marcus Peters um, exclusively on Antonio Brown. But what if they did? You know what I mean? Because Marcus Peters is elite. He's as, as elite as it gets when it comes to cornerbacks. He's He's super young. Obviously, hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity to, you know, he hasn't had a long career yet, so he really hasn't been able to, like, you know, establish himself as, you know, some, you know, Revis kind of guy as far as, you know, status goes because he hasn't been in the league that long. But just off of pure numbers and what he's done, um, I, I wish I could find a statistics thing that I seen earlier today about him. But he's one of those guys who just shuts players down. You know what I mean? So if he was to be put on Antonio Brown – an entire game exclusively, I could see him being a guy um, who who gets shut out. You know, Antonio Brown not shut out, but not get a lot, not get what you're what you you're used to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I mean, the idea of the cornerback that's going to just shadow your number one wide receiver for the entire game that idea is kind of a myth. Uh, it does happen where they'll utilize their best cornerback against your best wide receiver 
for, you know, maybe 50-plus percent of the snaps. Um, but the majority of the time, these things tend to kind of trend in a direction where cornerbacks play one side of the field to the other, or if they follow a wide receiver, they're not always going to follow them on every single play. They're not going to follow them in the slot. And I think that from Pittsburgh's perspective, they're going to move Antonio Brown around enough that they're going to free him up in coverage. And then from a game script perspective, I don't really see a game script that exists where Antonio Brown doesn't have a big game unless it's just this gigantic Le'Veon Bell game where they, they you know, run him like crazy. And it's similar to the game that they had last week against Miami, except for instead of Antonio Brown having those two big plays to start the game, you know, they have touchdowns some other way that get them out to an early lead, and then they're able to just run the ball like crazy. Because if it's a game that Kansas City keeps close, or, you know, God forbid Kansas City has a lead, well, then you're playing catch-up. And, you know, it's not often that you get to see Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown try and play catch-up. And I think that that's a situation for fantasy that would actually be really powerful in that, you know, he's going to catch four, five, six balls at the end of the game just trying to keep them in contention in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, these guys, man, it's hard to choose a guy that you would think would get shut down, but I guess your Ezekiel argument's probably a little bit better. But again, man, these guys are just, you know, they're hard to to knock it's hard to find holes or you know situations where they don't uh you know rise to the occasion so we'll see i mean you, you know you mentioned julio earlier against sherman you know you said sherman didn't get a lot of time on him but again it's hard to see someone you know slowing down a julio unless you know something happens to him injury wise or you know something to that regard but um i mean can anybody stop your boy alex smith i mean he's so elite you know <laughs> he's, he used to be such a lock uh whatever Whatever, man. That's why I should have put Alex Smith. That's my lock that will fail you this week. That's Adam's lock that will fail you. He has a really exciting game. He had a really exciting game against the Colts. I would not be surprised at all if Alex Smith is a top three fantasy quarterback at the end of this week. I know that's a (laughs) crazy take, but I I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. Actually, no, I would be shocked by top three. Yeah, I can't say that. I, I wouldn't be shocked by top four. I would be shocked by top three. Because I, I can't, I can't see three of you know, Rogers, Wilson, Ryan, Brady, and Prescott all doing bad, and and Roethlisberger like that. There's so many better quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah I, I really don't know how much I'd be using Alex Smith this week in in DFS. I, I might have a share or two of him just to you know be contrarian in some some guaranteed prize pool tournament. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. I also don't think he's terrible. <laughs> yeah, he's just not exciting. He's not flashy, but he gets the job no. done. Like I said, he gets the job done. Another but question. Tyree that... Kills. Tyree Kills. Flashy. Uh, I said Tyree Kills. Yeah, Tyree Kills. He is man. Tyree Kills an interesting guy. We'll see what we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. A lot of a lot of guys that can go really one way or the other in that game. So we'll see how it plans out. Another um, DFS. You know, thing that we we kind of wanted to throw out there was, you know, the the fringe running backs. You could say um, that you know wh- which one of these guys may have the best game from a DFS standpoint. Um, which you know, when I say fringe, we're talking about guys like uh, James White, Deion Lewis, you know, uh, Christian Michael, Procise, uh, Coleman. Who else? Is there anyone else out there that's kind of fringe in these games? I guess those are the majority of them. 
Uh, yeah, that's it. That's really it. I mean, do you, yeah, do, that would be that would be the, um, those are the major ones. Um, do you, do you see any of these of, of these guys? Okay, do you see any of these guys having like a huge game, or do you think they're all going to kind of just be moderate? I mean, the only one that I'm I'm curious about potentially having a huge game is Dion Lewis uh, because Legarrette Blunt missed the last two practices, Wednesday and Thursday, now with uh, an illness, and it doesn't necessarily look like you know it's something that he won't be able to play through. But there is a good chance, especially if this is going to be a blowout, that they don't want to force Legarrette Blunt to play through whatever he's struggling through for a ton of snaps or a ton of carries. So Deion Lewis may get a larger workload. And honestly, he's been trending in that direction anyway. It's been interesting to see, you know, uh, I mean, his his carries haven't really gone up, but he started in week 15 with 18 carries. In week 16, he had 16 carries. In week 17, he still had 11 carries. And he's still being, you know, utilized in that sort of, I don't know. He he's almost sharing carries with the Garrett Blunt. The biggest thing that we haven't seen from Deion Lewis yet this year is he's not really been a fixture in the passing game. So if if he can get a game where Le Garrett Blunt isn't being utilized as heavily and with New England being as big of favorites as they are, he can, you know, get fifteen carries or more, or he, you know, has an opportunity to catch some balls out of the backfield. Deion Lewis is kind of that sneaky guy to me that that could very well have a huge game. Yeah, he's he's a sneaky sneaky, you know, it's out there. The chance is out there that he can have a sneaky game, especially like you said, if Blunt is limited, I mean, it's, I guess him and, you know, White will probably share the ball more than anything, but that gives Lewis a lot of a lot of opportunity, man. He's a playmaker. He's one of those guys who, you know, one play can mean you know, a, a big thing, you know, so we'll see. This is kind of, it feels like they've been saving them for these moments, you know, for the playoffs, for these games, and they're going to lean on them more, you know, as this time arises. So that's probably the guy I would go with as well. You know, the other guys are harder to predict. Um, Coleman, though, I mean, if he wasn't playing Seattle, he'd be easier to say. But against Seattle, you know, you mentioned earlier their defense, which uh, you didn't seem too crazy about. But they're still Seattle, so they're still, you know, there's still a threat there. Anything else as far as guys that you think should be brought up in the DFS discussion this week? Guys like, what about like Ty Montgomery? Or, you know, we said Tyreek Hill. You know, Lamar Miller. We haven't said a word about him. I don't know how you think he'll do against New England. Are there any guys that, you know, we haven't talked about as locks per se or fringe guys, but just guys that aren't maybe being mentioned a lot, that names aren't being thrown around a lot, but may have some value? Or even okay, or so, disappointments, you know, for all, you know, yeah. for that matter. Just to hit on a few things that you'd mentioned in there. So first and foremost, with Houston, um, outside of like if, if you're playing on any of the uh, DFS sites and you're playing these really large guaranteed prize pool tournaments where you really are just looking for variance from the field, those are the only situations where I could see you targeting anyone on Houston, really. Um, the only player I feel like on Houston that I may have in some, some lineups are... Um, I'm sorry, is, because it's only one player, is going to be Ryan Griffin. Uh, and it's only because his uh, price is crazy low on these sites. And he's a guy that, you know, you can throw into the tight end spot. And I wouldn't be shocked if he got a few catches. And also, when they played New England earlier this year, he was the leading receiver on that team. So 
there is kind of that situation where I think if Brock Osweiler gets pressured a ton, he's going to look to his tight ends. He always seems to kind of target those guys the most. And I think between C.J. Fedorowicz and Griffin, it's just, you know, worth it to, you know, just pay down as far as Griffin goes. So I think from a Houston perspective, that's really the only thing that um, – he's really the only player that I'm looking to have in lineups unless I'm just kind of getting crazy and silly and, you know, trying to create something that's wacky and different that, you know, is going to give me a lot of variance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, though, the one player that you mentioned in there that I did want to talk about a little bit is Ty Montgomery, because I feel like a lot of people got really excited for Ty Montgomery, especially after we had that giant game against Chicago. And ever since then, it's kind of been like, are they going to use him as a running back? And it's funny because like now he's switched on all the sites and he's a running back, but now, ironically enough, he's being utilized kind of more in a passing role. And with Jordy Nelson out, it might be sort of a passing role for him. I don't know. Really, the way that I feel about Ty Montgomery is I, I don't see a scenario where he has the big game. I mean, if Aaron, it, it, if Dallas is going to win, Aaron Rodgers is going to have the big game. If Green Bay is to win they're going to win through Aaron Rodgers. So for me, it's like, I don't see a scenario where Tom Montgomery has a big game. I just, I don't see it. So he's a guy who I'm not really looking to roster. I don't know if I'm going to fade him entirely. I might have him in a lineup or two. That's just kind of like, you know, throwing it out there as as a possibility. Um, But I, I I really, I don't like the, the kind of the game script for Tom Montgomery. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if you had any other specific DFS stuff that you had that you wanted to that you wanted to hit on. I do have one other question for you, DFS. I want to see where what your angle would be on it. If you had to choose between Randall Cobb and Doug Baldwin, who would you go with this week? Oh, Doug Baldwin, so easily. Um, yeah, I I mean, I don't necessarily think that Randall Cobb is like a mirage. Um, but one thing that we have kind of learned from Randall Cobb is that. He's the player that we always get excited about when Jordy Nelson is out. And yeah, he had a big game last week, but him having a big game last week means that a lot of people are going to be looking to use him this week. And Doug Baldwin also had a big game. The difference with Doug Baldwin is his is so much more sustainable. Doug Baldwin is a guy who gets targeted a ton in Seattle's offense. We already have kind of talked about it a bit. But Atlanta's going to be looking to run up the score on them, and Seattle's going to have to play keep up. If Seattle's playing keep up, man, the amount of targets that are going to go Doug Baldwin's way, I mean, he's had a game this year where he saw 19 targets. I would not be shocked if he gets into like that 15-target range. So Doug Baldwin's actually a guy I'm really excited about this week. Um, so definitely over Randall Cobb, but probably over a lot of other guys that you wouldn't really expect. Like Doug Baldwin for me, Honestly, I mean, for if the question was like Doug Baldwin or Julian Edelman, I'm probably leaning Doug Baldwin. Um, Doug Baldwin's probably like a top three uh, wide receiver for me this week. Interesting. I definitely agree with you. I just wanted to see what you would say because I know Cobb was, you know, like you said, a hot player last week, but Baldwin's been kind of that consistent guy all year anyway. So I just wanted to kind of see where you would go with it. Um, but it's one of those decisions where if you're looking for just one guy that you feel really good about and then you're going to kind of, like you said, play the different, you know, variances of, you know, stuff that other people aren't playing, you know, those one, those two guys maybe some of the guys that you're choosing from. So I wanted to see what you would say. Um, anything else for DFS that you wanted to hit on really quick before we move on? 
Um, no, nothing really in particular um, that that comes to mind, no. Okay, cool. So the last thing we're going to do is our foul or no foul segment, which I'm always excited to get to. I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it, Adam? Always. Let's go. It's that time again. <laughs> Let's play another round of foul or no foul. So the first one I have here is actually from it, it, from a gentleman named at R.R. At R. Ruxin. Um, he said he had family sleepover last weekend. I won't say which members of the family. You never know if they're listening and get insulted or anything here. But he had family sleepover last weekend. He realized after they left that they took all the hangers from his guest room, which were at least five to ten hangers. Doesn't know exact number. But foul or no foul on the fam taking all of the hangers out of the guest room, Adam. Uh, foul? What, what the hell? <laughs> the, I, like, I, 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 I agree with you, foul, but... Cents. I, like, that's rude. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, man, but how do you handle the situation? Do, do you hit him up? Like, hey, man, you took all my fucking hangers, or do you not say anything, and you're just like, whatever, it's just hangers, you know, I just, next time they come here, I won't have hangers in the freaking guest room. Bring your own hangers next time. I mean, well, how do you handle the situation? You know, you never want to insult the family, but at the same time, you don't want to get pushed around and people stealing your hangers, man. No, uh, so what you do is you just put it off for a year. Because uh, I assume they came around the holidays. I'm, I'm just, I'm making that assumption. We're in the middle of January now, but like, that's where my mind went for this. So you just, you don't say anything for a long time. And then next year for Christmas. <laughs> so you're going hangers. with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> buy them some hangers, man. Or when they ask you what you want for Christmas, say, I want some hangers for my fucking guest room. And maybe they'll get the hint. Either way, definitely messed up that they took the damn hangers, man. No excuse. They know they didn't come with those freaking hangers. I just had to ask that, man. I just wanted to see what you would say. It seems like we're both on the same page here. (laughs) The next one, it was inspired by a gentleman with the handle at TX Chief. And uh, he's a Chief fan, unfortunately. But besides that, you know, it got into a little bit of discussion with him because he posted a picture of a um a Kit Kat bar. But the Kit Kat bar was bitten straight into the Kit Kat bar. So I wanted to see what you thought about this. When eating a candy bar, let's use the Kit Kat bar for example, it's completely normal to just bite into the entire candy instead of breaking off the individual bars. Foul or no foul. Uh that's such a foul. What is wrong with that person? Thank you. What what are you doing? Who does <laughs> this, just... man? I mean, psychopaths. Psychopaths, chief fans, not a surprise. Yeah, duh. Obviously. Duh, Alex they Smith they fans. They go hand in hand. Yep. Like, what the hell, man? Alex Smith definitely I... bites into his Kit Kat bar like that. No question. <laughs> no question for me. Okay, so now this brings Just, up If you've seen the picture, it would piss you off even more. Well, yeah, no, I, I I think people do it, and they're just like, oh, I'm ironic. I bite the whole Kit Kat bar. It's, a, it's just a one Kit Kat bar. It's not four separate bars, guys. It's one bar. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not no. telling people how to do stuff, man, but when I see it, it's just one of those things that, like, to my eyes, man, it's just like, ah, oh, it's not supposed to be done like that. I will say it's much more efficient, but... It, Definitely it efficient. It, it also just, like... If you break into the four pieces, it lasts longer. It lasts longer. It looks right. It just seems like that's how it's supposed to be done. Try I mean, it. they didn't go through all the effort of splitting those things into four bars for nothing. Right? No, not at all. I mean, that that was obviously intended. Now, 
what is bullshit though is when you have a Kit Kat and people assume that you should share it with them just because it's you know divided into four pieces. Then I bite the whole. Thing. Well, yeah, then biting the whole thing <laughs> may be genius if you're around a crowd of people. Biting the whole thing may be genius. Like I would love to have shared it with you, but I kind of eat it this way. And how crazy you know. would you look though if you were in a group of four people and you pulled out a Kit Kat and then just started eating the whole thing, just get right into it in front of them? Obviously, people do it, man. Obviously, it's not that crazy, but you know, it's like I am not sharing this. This is mine. <laughs> sorry, hey, sorry, TX Chief, man. I had to bring it up because the picture was disturbing, man. Now, that does lead me to another question, though, because my girlfriend does this all the time, and I think I, I always found it so interesting. But are you the type – do you ever, like, sort candy, like, by color or by, like, flavor if you're eating Skittles or something like that? Are you the type that just, like, eats things by the handful? Do you eat it one by one? Or are you so meticulous that you actually, like, sort it into the other – like, the different colors and flavors and then – you can pair it the way you want, or you can just eat them one by one, however you desire. Yeah, I did that when I was like 10, Adam. No, I'm joking. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think I've done it any time recently. I have done it. I for sure have done it with like M&Ms or like Skittles or, or, you know, something. I mean, I'll have my favorites. Like, you know, if it's Starburst, I like the pink ones. If it's, uh, you know, Mentos fruit fruit flavor, I like the pink ones on that too for some reason. I like wait, all the pink wait, stuff. wait, wait, stop. Okay. Wait, do are we talking candies that you sort and you just went Starburst? No, no, no. Totally I, well, normal, I don't sort and then them. Mentos fruit bursts. <laughs> like what? Come on, man. Where did that come from? I'm just saying, like, I First like of certain all, I don't colors. Know if I've ever had that. It's like, no, you you don't just get to gloss over the fact that your reference point was Mentos. I do get to do that, man. Isn't it Mentos? <laughs> I think it's Mentos. The fruit ones. I don't know what they're called. I don't know. I've never had them because. Because we were talking about psychopaths who bite into Kit Kats. I don't know people who eat Mentos. This is messed up, man. Forget this, it was ever said. Why just why just stray away from the damn Kit Kat conversation? Now I look <laughs> like I'm just as crazy as that person. Dude, I, I'm wondering how many of our listeners have even had Mentos ever. Oh, like, it's not just Mentos, but you're trying to explain to me that there's a fruit kind of Mentos. Like, right now I'm Googling it because I don't necessarily believe you that this is even a thing, but it exists. I'm I'm seeing it right now. You're it's seeing a thing. it, right? And you know what? They're probably decent. It is decent, man. It's freaking good as shit. They're good, but the pink one is the best one. And so when I get one, I'm like, ooh, yay. You know, like, I get excited. <laughs> and then when like three come out in a row, I'm like, whoo, my lucky day. So, you know, just one of those things. If you haven't had those, go out and get them. I'm going to have to. i got to try it now. And please bring up your Kit Kat bar the correct way. The next foul or no foul. This one has got some controversy going out there, man. I don't know if you've seen this, but a white actor, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say his last name right, but it's Joseph Fiennes, I think, um, played Michael Jackson in a movie. Um, I believe this is like a European movie or you, you know, produced by a European director. Um, but foul or no foul on a white actor playing the role of obviously Michael Jackson, who is African-American. Which Michael Jackson? The, what do you mean? Which Michael are you, Jackson? are we talking about the African-American one? Or are we talking about the one who was white that we said oh, was African-American? Oh man. <laughs> well, I, I guess he looks like the whiter version of Michael Jackson. Okay. Who is still so, an African-American man, of course. So I know what I just said was horrible. So foul on me, not on the question. Foul on terrible. you, exactly. Mute Adam right now. I know, I know, guys. That You know, hashtag social justice warriors. Yeah. Come at me, bro. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but uh but yeah i mean a lot of people are upset man I, like his daughter spoke out about it there was actually like an interview that he did i forget with who before he died of course so way i don't i don't know how far back it was but it was back far enough but you know he had someone had mentioned about a white actor playing him ever in a movie and he said it would be like a disgrace for him or whatever personally but like his daughter oh, wow. and, yeah he addressed it yeah, directly yeah well, he, he, he addressed right. it well i mean if he addressed it then you know that that makes it even that much more screwed up um as far as I'm concerned, though, like, I don't know. I think we have a little bit too much overreaction theater when things like this happen. Like, how many people were going to watch that movie before they knew about this? And how many are going to know about it now? Like, I didn't know it existed until you just told me. Like, the word of mouth is so huge. So, ultimately, I feel like talking about it in this huge way is almost doing it a disservice. Because way more people are going to watch that movie than are ever going to watch it otherwise now. Because they're like, hey, it's got a white Michael Jackson in it. Exactly. So it kind of, it it creates that counterproduction. Now, I understand the perspective of like, oh, but this helps initiate a conversation about like, is that an appropriate thing? And ultimately, like, the perspective that I have is it's not whether it's appropriate or inappropriate. Somebody made it. There's a ton of inappropriate shit people have made. That's what the internet is. It's just tons of shit nobody should have made. But people did, and some people look at it. So, like, ultimately, if somebody makes a movie and they cast someone in a role that you find completely offensive, don't watch that movie. That that movie is totally not for you. You are not the target audience for that movie. And ultimately, to have this perspective that it should have never been made, well, maybe, but there's tons of crazy shit that should have never been made that exists out there, and nobody's talking about the plethora of other things. So I don't know. I think that, you know, the particular offense around it being Michael Jackson and him being such a, you know, a large figure and for him to be portrayed by a white person when he was clearly African-American, regardless of any jokes I've made, like I, I understand the want for that to be this really wrong thing. Um, and and to want to attack it, I just think that there's way better use of our energy. Yeah, and I, 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 I might be correct here. I think it may even be a TV series called Urban Myths. I read um, that that it, that's what it was, not a movie. I don't believe, but I recently seen like a trailer for it. So I was like, look, I seen an article about it. So I was like, what what is this exactly? And I was watching it to see what it was about. But I think it's actually a TV production over there. But either way, you know, it's a white guy playing you know a black guy, which you know obviously people found offensive. Um, so I just wanted to you know, get your take on it. Like you said, some people are going to look at it as we're being too sensitive. Some people are going to look at it, you know, as some kind of, you know, racist thing. Um, I think the director mentioned that, you know, like you said, he, he did have a paler complexion um, before he passed. And, you know, that's what he went for, I guess, when he looked for someone to fill that role, you know? Um, yeah. It's so weird to me. So like white person plays black musician outrage black musician plays white founding father greatest musical of all time yeah. these, <laughs> these are the things just, man these, these are the things like that I, ultimately that's what it should be judged on like is this movie good like if i go to see it and i'm like that guy he's so michael jackson like he reminds me so much of michael jackson and the story's compelling and stuff it's gonna change my opinion big time because you know hamilton's amazing <laughs> It's a weird situation, for sure. No question. Uh, let me see here. The next one that I have, 
Um, will we be safer on the road when all cars dry themselves, foul or no foul? Or we will be safer when all cars dry themselves, foul or no foul? Uh, safer is an interesting question. Um, will we be safer? Uh, I, I really, I really don't know. Um, I, I guess what I would say is I think there'll be less traffic accidents. Um, <laughs> but I guess that really opens up a much broader question of like, what, what are we trying to be safe from? If we're trying to be safe from traffic accidents, yes, automized cars will help with that. Um, the implications around freedom and being able to track individuals and the, you know, fears and implications around that might create some different feelings around safety. But but from a direct traffic accident perspective, I think it would be extremely helpful, yes. Yeah, it's terrifying to think about, though, right? Like a car that you're in that you don't have control of. You know what I mean? Like it just seems like, ah, man, it seems weird when – you know, you take the control from you. But then again, there's a lot of people you wish we would take the control from. So it's a good thing in a sense. But just for you physically, like for me in a car, to think that this car is driving me it just seems scary, man. <laughs> I know. I mean, in a way, I mean, that's the whole, like, that's the whole story behind 2001 A Space Odyssey. You know, spoiler alert. But <laughs> mostly that, that story is about how we can give so much to technology that eventually it just has control and then we're like oh wait and not even necessarily from a sentient standpoint but just like whoever controls the technology now controls a lot more um you know you and i have talked before that we're big fans of the joe rogan experience podcast recently joe was talking about how it's interesting that all cars that are being made now can only really be worked on by the dealership because they have so much computer technology in them. Yep. So we're running into this weird situation now where you know you aren't going to have your local mechanic anymore just because these cars are getting to such a point where you can't just take them to you know any person who can just learn how to work on any broad car. Each car is going to be so individual and specialized. I just... Ultimately, I feel like there's a lot of freedom that's going to get taken away and that there's a lot of freedom outside of just the really tactical being able to drive your own car, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I wonder if there's anything in place to like stop them from make, making it where you literally can't go anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like where they put something into the program into the car where like your local dealer is like, hey, man, I can't hack into it to break, you know, to get into the computer to fix it. You know what I mean? Like. I wonder if, yeah, if that's against yeah. the law at some point. You know I mean, if that's going to be like, you know, something we have to face or whatever. But definitely, you know, like you said, it is becoming more computerized, um, which is it's crazy. Like if you like you said, certain you just have, to have like a special machine to deal with each car. It almost seems like you know. Um, so it's a it's a weird place. But I keep seeing articles and news reports about these these cars driving themselves. Man, it seems like sooner than later, you know, we may be there completely. So we'll see. We'll see, but it's kind of scary. A little bit, a little bit scary, but it's just one of those things, man. Technology can be scary, right? Yeah, I mean, technology definitely can be. And the the real big pain that you realize as you grow older is that if you resist technology, you will just get passed by, by <laughs> yep. technology. <laughs> yep. So you you have to you just have to jump on, and it's like 
floating downstream. You just you just got to go with it. You can't swim against the current. You just got to move with it. And uh, you got to keep embracing it, keep educating yourself on it. Like, like you never want to be that person. Like, you know, when when you were young and your parents are like, what's up with these kids and these computers or whatever? You don't ever want to be that guy. You want to be like, oh, I'm I'm with it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I'm on the same level as you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because it's it's happening. I mean, like just on the subject of automation, like that's going to happen. That that's the goal at this point. So there are a lot of people working towards this goal, this end game. And ultimately, like, they're going to get there. They're going to get to the point of automated vehicles being the norm. That's going to happen. It, I don't know how soon it's going to happen, but it that's the trajectory we're headed on. So ultimately, got to get okay with it at yep. some level, you know. Get with it or get run over. The, <laughs> the last one, the last one I got for you, man. And I don't know if you've seen it today, but Obama gave Biden the Presidential Medal, Medal of Freedom which is, you know, basically the highest, you know, civilian honor that that someone can receive. So it leads us to the question, Obama and Biden, Biden, the best bromance this country has ever seen. Foul or no foul? (laughs) No foul. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Oh, so true. Yeah, the, uh, oh man. I I don't know. There's a lot of things that uh, that we're going to get different with the Trump presidency, but I am going to miss the Biden-Obama memes, unless they just get better and it's just like memes of them on vacation and stuff together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we don't expect to see them disappear from, you know, from from the face of the earth here. So we can technically still get that stuff, which is true. But man, like, you know, actually, when he did this, Biden was like crying and stuff. It was like, it was pretty awesome, man. I was like, these guys are the best, man. Like, these guys are always you know, hugging and smiling and shaking hands and this and that. And like you said, you know, that, that was a big point that you made there that we're going to, it's going to be a totally different experience with Trump, <laughs> you know, from the Obama thing. And, and you can even see that people mentioned, you know, watching that last Obama speech and how, how good it was and how well he spoke and how elegant it was. And then you hear Trump and you're like, it's two different worlds, man. This guy's <laughs> arguing reporters telling them they're a fake news organization and your question can't be talked about i'm just like man what a friggin difference it's gonna be man i don't i don't know you know what path we're gonna go down with this but it's gonna be different for sure oh yeah oh my god i don't know if trump's gonna have a bromance or not man (laughs) with who (laughs) i don't know he won't have a bromance like they did though they were awesome no it's not gonna it's not gonna be best romance ever so if you got a friend out there and you think you got a bromance going that that's a that's that's a goal right that's your bromance goal man if you could beat those two you're doing well i mean it's no tyler and josh from 21 pilots but dude you're a 21 pilot fan a giant 21 pilots fan i i I, know this may be crazy to you but like i just heard about them recently like with i've heard their first music within like look in the last few months is that crazy or is that normal I mean, no, I, I mean, people hear about music at different times constantly now. I, I think that it's really like a slow churn. I mean, I was lucky enough to hear about them, oh God, like three three or four years ago. Like to put it in perspective, I, I think I've seen them live like eight or nine times Jeez. now. And for, yeah, oh, me and my girlfriend are gigantic 21 Pilots fans, like huge. Um, and the first time I saw them, was in front of 600 people and the next time i see them we'll be at the united center in front of like what twenty five thousand. wow that's, that's what i was gonna ask you was like real. you know with, with music today you never really can gauge like an artist's popularity because 
anybody can get a hold of the music, right? I mean, the radio stations can play an artist and he may not even be that big or you may be able to get it on YouTube and whatever. Like, I don't even know what their level of success is. Like, I don't know. I have no clue who you can compare them to success wise. Like, I don't know, you know, what level they're on 21 pilots or whatever, but um, I don't know if their careers have been up and down or, you know, if they just blew up and that's why I just heard about them on that, you know, on that level or what, but I fell in love with their music, man. When I first heard it. Um, oh, dude, that's so awesome. Yeah. When I first heard it, I fell in love with their music and I was like, who are these guys? And I just started looking, you know, deeper and deeper, trying to find more and more songs. And, um, I think the first one I heard was stressed out and I was like, yo, this song is amazing. Like this song is really good. And then I went to ride and then obviously, you know, heathens was out there and, um car radio i think it was or something i forget what the name of the okay. song is but i was yeah, like man yeah. these dudes are really really good i like I, you always get you always like surprised like how did i never hear this before this you know what i mean like how am i just hearing this out of like a random situation like how am i just hearing this song like is that good you know what i mean that's how i felt about their music oh dude that's that's amazing so i'm gonna fanboy out real hard right now and uh <laughs> for all you clock dodgers out there you also are gonna be members of the clip which are what uh fans of 21 pilots call themselves all right <laughs> Moving forward, uh, so yeah, I mean, Twenty One Pilots is this really interesting band because uh, they're they're kind of a grassroots movement of sorts. Um, the two main members of the band, Tyler and Josh, have been together. Uh, I, I want to say since like two thousand and twelve. Uh, I may get the the years wrong, so uh, I might not be as awesome of a fan as I think, but. Tyler originally started the band with two other guys. Uh, they released a self-titled album that's just called 21 Pilots that you can find on like Spotify. and uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, Tyler's actually said in recent interviews that he wants to get back to the uh, lyrical content of that first album and sort of the style around it uh, and, and really look to produce his next album based on that. So that really intrigues me. Um, but... Altogether, they have four albums. The most recent album, most of the songs that you were talking about are off of, uh, and that's an album called Blurry Face uh, that they released on their record label, Fueled by Ramen. Um, but ultimately, Tyler started with two other guys in the band. Uh, they released the self-titled album, 21 Pilots, and then they released another album called Regional at Best. And Regional at Best happened, and the two guys who were in the band with Tyler... Uh, fell off and did other things and this guy who Tyler had become best friends with over like the year prior to that they had created this awesome friendship and they always wanted to play music together they finally kind of utilized that as an opportunity to work together and they continued as the band 21 Pilots uh, but just with Josh as the drummer now and became just a two-man act and and blew up yeah well <laughs> and those guys are regretting it yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think about that all the time. But, uh, but I mean, they didn't just blow up. They were, like, such a small act for a long period of time, and it's really interesting. Like, I've watched a lot of uh, their videos of them just kind of talking about different things over the course of their career, and one thing that I found really interesting was how when they started out, they started in Columbus, Ohio, which is not really known as, like, the music capital of the world or anything. And... Uh, they kind of grew their following in a really interesting way by going and playing in neighboring cities without advertising at all. And their goal each night was to make new fans at the places that they went to. And then they wouldn't ever advertise when they went outside of like their own little area. 
and then every few months they'd advertise for one big show and try and collect everyone together and sell out somewhere. And by doing that, they they created a really strong local fan base, and that's ultimately what you know was able to get them signed. The thing that stayed really really cool about Twenty One Pilots and particularly Tyler Joseph, the the lead singer uh, of the band, is that they write all their own music uh, and with very little outside influence, which is extremely rare in popular music today. Yeah. What, what, what kind of music would you consider them? Like if someone just asked you randomly, Oh, 21 pilots, what is this? What would you say? Um, I, mean, I couldn't I, even categorize I, it. Like to be honest to with you. Work, and the reason that I love 21 pilots, uh, you mentioned their song car radio. That was the first song I ever heard. And actually it was really interesting. It totally took me out of a moment where I was actually like really angry and upset with somebody. And it just happened to be that they played this song that I'd never heard before. And it just hit me in this crazy way that I think happens for a lot of people who resonate with 21 Pilots and that it's unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And in that, it mixed so many different genres in such a playful way uh, and such, such a smooth way that I was really excited by what I was hearing. Uh, and then the lyrical content really cut right yeah. through me. And I think that, you know, combining those two elements just made for just an amazing experience. So uh, as far as a genre goes, they, they don't subscribe to a genre. Um, there is a term that some people use uh, that they call schizo pop which is like schizophrenic pop <laughs> yeah. because it is it's so all over the place but ultimately like if you had to define it it's pop because now it's popular music yeah yeah man i i mean they have talented dudes man no question oh they're they're super talented and they have such varying styles between like different songs like this most recent album blurry face like you can hear it on some of the tracks they have like a reggae influence and that actually happened after on their uh previous uh, after they had released their previous album prior to Blurry Faces, an album called Vessel, it's the first album that they released on Fuel by Ramen, they uh, they actually traveled to, uh, I want to say it was Amsterdam, and in Amsterdam, I guess there was a big reggae scene, and they got exposed to you know reggae music and seeing it live, and they just loved the energy of it and the crowd of it, so they incorporated that into their music, and I think that that's what really excites me for them as artists moving forward is I think that they are willing to go outside of different genres. And because of that, they're able to kind of grab different pieces and, and really just make music. That's, that's all their own. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's so infectious. So yeah, yeah man, we'll have to talk more <laughs> off the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Now. I, I, yeah, uh, I know we, we kind of sidetracked there, but you know, for, for yeah, I mean, we kind of sidetracked, but anyone who's listening who who isn't familiar with it, I mean, definitely check it out. If you are familiar with it, obviously, you know why we got sidetracked. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> I the, the greatest thing about them is, like you said, you can't really pin them down. If you listen to those songs, those four songs even that I mentioned that you mentioned, Car Radio, Stressed Out, Ride, and Heathens, you'll hear basically what sounds like four different bands. Um, so it's that different, that good. It's very relatable music, like you said. Um, very good band, but again, a little sidetracked, but for positive reasons, guys, check out 21 Pilots. Um, to check out us, though, I mean, the episode's over here, but you can always talk to us on Twitter, and Adam, we're gonna try this again, you can talk to Adam on Twitter at... The other FF guy. Bam, perfect, thank you. You can talk to me at Clock Dodgers, and that's pretty much everywhere. 
Um, by the way, people agree with me, man. You know, you had that pause. I didn't have that pause. Um, I don't care what they say. One, I think one person did say I paused still, but whatever. Whatever. They're probably an Alex Smith fan. I don't know what they're talking about. But listen, guys, go check us out. Follow us on those social media platforms. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. If you have any 21 Pilot songs to recommend to me, guys, please tweet me because I'm kind of, I'm not like Adam. My, my, my 21 Pilots list is kind of short still. I don't have, That's I haven't okay. got, I haven't I gone have, in I deep. I have all the songs to recommend. To <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for this week, Adam. It was fun as always. Oh, also, um, I've been doing this little contest thing. We're trying to get new subscribers and uh, telling people to, you know, get subscribers for the podcast or get reviews for the podcast. And the person who gets the most of them um, will get like a little swag pack, which is basically like a t-shirt, caught out t-shirt, some, some stickers, a wristband or whatever, caught out wristband. Um, so I'm doing that. It's going to end probably Friday or Saturday. Um, so right now that's that's still going. So if you want to win that stuff, just uh, get subscribers for the show and like send pictures or a screenshot or something of people subscribing. So that way uh, I have some kind of proof and you're not just lying to me. And um, get yourself that, that, that prize pack, man. Right now there's someone who's in a pretty good lead. He's at Neil Nagel, 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 22. So he's been doing pretty good. He's got a bunch of people to sign up and subscribe and leave reviews and stuff. So right now it's looking like it's going his way, but there's always a chance that it can sway if someone, you know, busts some ass here in the last couple of days. But just wanted to throw that out there. We're going to be doing more fun things like that, Adam. You know what I mean? Get stuff out there to the people. Out there to the clock dodgers, man. But that's it for today, man. That's it for today. You have a good night, Adam. All right. You too, man. Take it easy. Later. Visit dot for more unique content. Connect with us now by following at Clock Dodgers on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.